What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo, brought to you by Thin Man Brewery. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, the Sabres' West Coast road trip has gotten underway, starting off with a disappointing 5-2 loss against the Los Angeles Kings on Monday. However, the Sabres followed it up with a nice 7-3 victory over the Anaheim Ducks on Wednesday night. Monday's game... A tough one, a tough loss to drop there to a Kings team that's relatively close to the Sabres right now in terms of overall points. They are a little bit better as the Kings currently sit at 30-18-7 compared to the Sabres now being at 27-22-4. Following it up, though, on that Wednesday night, a big win against a, a Ducks team that, as we talked about last episode, is one of the worst teams in the NHL at home. The Ducks now sit at 17, 32, and 6, and are firmly in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. So this is a game that the Sabres absolutely needed to win. And luckily for them, they're following it up with another team who happens to be one of the worst in the league, just in general, but also at home in the San Jose Sharks. That game takes place on Saturday at 10.30 p.m. Taylor, what are your thoughts on these two games? We started off last episode saying that we felt like we wanted the Sabres to pick up five points on this trip. I had said that I would have been okay with a baseline of four. Obviously, the Kings game did not get the trip off to a great start. But what are your thoughts coming away from these two games? Well, I said on Monday that what I really wanted out of this trip and what the Sabres needed was five out of six points. And uh, by an hour and a half into the game on Monday, that was already not a possibility, which is unfortunate. Uh, Just to talk about that game first, the Kings game, it was almost like the evil cousin of the Buffalo Kings game that took place like two months ago where the Sabres didn't score for the first 45. No one scored for 45 minutes. And then the Sabres scored six in the last 15 minutes. This time it was a little bit earlier, but it was the Kings that got things going at, I want to say halfway through the second period. It was, uh, it was just kind of a 30 minutes of a, a, a real slog. And this was, we talked on Monday about the new lines that Granado was trying out. And I think we both kind of had the same idea that, not a bad idea to switch up lines a little bit, especially after an effort like they had against Calgary on Saturday. But I don't think he did it in a really sensible way at all. <laughs> it was very – that was very strange to me. I don't I don't know. It was just in, – in fact, that continued to be a little bit strange. And you threw out some lines I thought actually made a lot more sense, at least on paper, to, mm-hmm. to at least give a shot if you're going to switch things up a little bit. And, man, his lines were immediately a failure. They could get nothing going. Luckily – the Kings couldn't either for a while. And then the floodgates kind of opened and much like uh UPL on Saturday, Anderson all of a sudden was under siege and didn't handle it well. And before you knew it, it was five, nothing. And then, granted they, they didn't quit or anything like they played well in the last 10 minutes, but they also, that's partially because Granado uh, switched the lines back a little bit to some extent. He put the first line back together. There was a pretty immediate realization of mistake. It's almost like, you people, uh, it's it's not as serious or as bad, but like putting Peterman in in 2017 against the Chargers and then being like, ah, never mind after one half. So like, I didn't love the lines going into last night's game on Wednesday, but they were better, yep. and especially the first line being together. And like I said, look, I I started to think of it last night is it's not so much there's a, a certain set of lines I want to see. There's I want to see certain guys play together, and it's Tuck and Thompson. That's Olafson and Jost, uh, Darlene and Samuelson, guys like that. I really would rather see play together. But yeah, I think you saw that. And then last night was interesting because the first 10, not even the first 10 minutes, the whole first period was dominant. They at one point were up 12 nothing in shots. They went up 2 nothing on the scoreboard. They ended the period up 19-3 to three in shots. 
and then you get a Zegers goal that, I mean, it had to be a save. I, it's, it's not a good, not, it was not from a high danger area. It was clear. It wasn't screen. Second goal. There's a screen, but it's only because Comrie is weirdly way too far right in the net from his perspective, way too far left from our perspective. Um, so, I, so he's getting screened by Lubchushkin. And granted, Lubchushkin didn't do a good job clearing out. I forgot who the forward was, but just it was very strange. It was just, you you just don't, you don't want to leave that much of wide open net. And if you are like, I, you got to unscreen yourself a little bit. There's a bunch of room, whatever. That wasn't a good one. And then the third, none of the goals were actually that good. Like there's not a point where Anaheim was playing especially well. That, that there was a little stretch of like seven minutes where they're getting more chances, but not great chances. And th- just, them getting a little bit of push after getting dominated for 25 minutes. And all of a sudden it's like, Oh, now they're up three, two, which is very annoying, I guess. And, and that third goal, I'd like to say Comrie basically went face down on the ice and didn't look up until after the puck was in the net <laughs> looked very bad in the replay. I don't know what was up with that. Uh, so all three goals, very annoying. Uh, I guess to his credit, he really, to the whole team's credit, they played well after the Comrie didn't give up another goal, but the Sabres really didn't give up that many good chances. And, they were, they really took advantage of their opportunities. Whereas the first period was them being relentlessly dominant on the forecheck, uh, relentlessly, I should say, relentlessly dominant on the forecheck and dominating and basically pinning them down in their own zone and getting a bunch of decent chances, but not finishing. The rest of the game was they played pretty well overall, stopped them, stopped the Ducks from having too many good chances, and then just took advantage of certain situations like Tuck coming out of the penalty box, um, a middle stack goal, a Krebs, a great pass from Quinn to Krebs on the one goal. So, that's basically what I think. Like, it's a nice bounce back. Like, you should beat the Ducks 7-3. No, you shouldn't give up three goals in, like, seven minutes. Three goals on the only, like, decent looks at net. <laughs> Eric, come on, man. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that's basically my thoughts on that. Uh, and they, they really have to – I don't. they don't have to blow out San Jose or anything. You know, they don't have to win 7-3. But, like, you got to get two points on Saturday night as well. Absolutely necessary, yeah. And to backtrack a little bit for those who maybe miss the game – on Wednesday night, just given again with it being firmly Sabres after dark with these nice little post 10 p.m. starts, the Sabres ran back the first line of Skinner, Thompson, Tuck, reuniting them. Second line was Paterka, Cousins, and Olafson. Third line of Middlestat, Krebs, and Quinn, and a fourth line of Gergensen's Jost, and Opozo. One guy who I want to talk about, who we talked about in our mailbag episode, we've talked about him a good amount throughout the year, who's been looking a little bit better as of late, is Casey Middlestat. Since coming back from the All-Star break, he has five points in his last three games, which has been great to see. While we had talked about one of the things that he really needs to do is utilizing his shot more, which he absolutely does. He hasn't still been shooting enough, in my opinion. I mean, his last three games, he only has four shots in those games. He had two against Anaheim, one against the Kings, and one against Calgary. So while that's obviously great for your shooting percentage, he has a good shot. You got to start using it more often. I mean, and and I think this stretch here shows how effective he could be when he uses it. He had a goal and an assist last night against Anaheim. He, just generally speaking, has been looking a lot more competent out there. He's, again, one of the big criticisms that we've had of him is just him being able to keep up with the pace of play, him not being physically overmatched and being able to, even though he's a smaller guy, being able to utilize his skill set to avoid just getting completely outbodied by guys and then coughing up the puck. And he's been doing a much better job with all of those things lately, which has been really great to see. In addition, a guy who we've been talking about who has 
firmly been looking better and better as the year has gone on. Peyton Krebs, as you had mentioned before, he had a goal last night. Him and Quinn together, I think, is a really intriguing pairing. We touched on that a little bit last episode, but I think it's definitely worthwhile to continue to putting him with scores, putting him with guys who are he's going to be able to set up. Krebs is such a great playmaker. He's got great vision. He's got great speed. We know all of this, and so... He's really rounded out the defensive part of his game here and his stint that he had on the fourth line with Opozo and Jurgensen's. He's gotten better defensively as the year has gone on. And now's the time where you need to put him in the middle six from here on out so that you can, in addition to getting his defensive impacts and being able to possibly positively impact guys who maybe aren't as flattering in their own zone where you're helping out in that sense. You also though then need to put him with some more offensively inclined guys so that he can contribute on the offensive side of things as well and really maximize what you have in the player there. What are your thoughts on the recent play of Middlestat and Krebs specifically? Middlestat scoring at even strength. That's something. Absolutely. Yeah, that's something that he's never really done consistently before. So it's nice to see he's been doing it for a few weeks. Yeah, he's – I kind of – I really agree with the point that he has to use his shot. Like, I think part of it is put it, putting yourself in good positions to shoot. That sometimes means being good at other things. And it helps, obviously, that he's playing with better linemates. Like, they're not sticking him on the fourth line. And, frankly, they don't have bums to stick him with forward-wise. There are no bums on this team. So that's good. Um, but he's he's getting – good like matchups and whatnot and he just just put yourself in good positions to shoot and shoot bud you don't you don't you have to be on the first line or anything like that like it, but he's being productive which is good and like you, you saw the goal last night there's not a lot of there's not a ton of guys in the league that can do what he does uh when he has a puck on his stick it's just a matter of being competent at those other things no one ever is going to expect him to be good in his own zone or like the hardest skater or, you know, the guy that puts in the most effort, but like, you can't get knocked off the puck. He'll be a little bit stronger to keep up with play a little bit more uh, than he does, but no real complaints the last few weeks, I would say out of him. Like he has been scoring even strength is a big deal. It's not something that he's really done a ton of in his career. And I think early in the season when people are like, Oh, look at the points he has. So like that's kind of just being a beneficiary of playing in the power play, uh, which has one of the best power play shooters in the league on it. My good pal Tage. I can't believe I didn't mention him earlier. Another, another power play slapper, clapper. God, what a guy, what a guy he is. He shoots like Ovechkin. It's incredible. I don't even hesitate to make that comparison. I'm not saying he's going to score 895 goals. I'm saying he's going to score 896. There we go. (laughs) Um, But no, he's like, it's like he, he has a spot now and he's a guy Mm -hmm. you have to be like, you have to orient your penalty kill around him. So shout out to him. But you asked about Peyton Krebs, and I really like Peyton Krebs. Like that goal last night's a, a good example of just a guy from both him and Quinn uh, realizing what's happening in a moment and taking advantage, which is great. He's been, you know, a good passer. He's he has been playing in the bottom six just because someone asked to, and he's been pretty good at it. He's been good in the minutes. Honestly, from an even strength points for sixty perspective, he hasn't been that. He's been solid. Like he, it won't show up that much on the score sheet because he doesn't play as much. He doesn't get as much power play time, but he's been pretty good. He's been a good passer and he's getting better in his own zone. I think he looks infinitely more confident than he did in like November. So I'm happy to see that too. Honestly, the the weird thing about this team isn't like, there aren't really that many guys I can point to, especially in the forward group that I can be like, not good enough, not good enough. A lot of it is just like these small like moments where they just have like mental lapses, especially in that, but like also just 
all over the ice. There's no one that I'm really because people have pointed out that Yoki Haru doesn't look that bad. Um, so re- really, there's especially no forwards I can point to being like, man, you got to get this guy out of here, and that's a big change. I mean, we've always had at least one, always. Mm-hmm. And now, even if someone gets hurt, you'd be able to pull in like Asplund. Um, Dennis Joe's in Rochester, right? Yeah, he get claimed. Yep, yeah, he is. So, no, so he's still with us. Fitzgerald got claimed. Yeah, so even with that, like you have two other guys that are NHL ready guys, you know they can step in and be okay. And then should even after that, you could try Yuri Coolidge. They have a lot of forward depth, which is nice. And no one under contract are like, oh, I guess they have to play him, but this sucks, Cody Eakin. Like, it's it's a it's a nice place to be in. I I remember right after the the tank, quote unquote, or the early end of the rebuild, especially in the Murray era, there was like a bunch of guys. I remember going to the opener in 2016-17 being like, four of these guys should be in the AHL. Yep. And that, that's the way it was for a little while. Like, they had no depth uh, organizationally. And I'm even looking right now. Twenty. So, uh, this is a different point I'm going to make. The, the Ducks remind me of the 2017-18 Sabres a little bit in that the rebuild was supposed to be over. You had a year where it was like, oh, okay, you're not a playoff team, but this is interesting. I see a future happening. Let's uh, make some moves like the future is, is here. And then not only is it not here, not only do you not get better, you get way worse. And you know, look at like the first overall pick because I'm looking at that 17-18 Sabres team. That was, of course, a very frustrating year where they wouldn't give Evan Rodriguez more minutes. But here's some guys that were getting minutes. Benoit Pouliot, Scott Wilson. Jordan Nolan, Nick Baptiste, Justin Bailey actually played 12 games, 39 games for Jacob Josephson, 21 games for Seth Griffith. Yeah, now Alex Nylander in there for a little bit, which is interesting. Good Matt Wilson, 14 games, and they dropped him to, they like loaned him for nothing to the AHL. So, not great. That was not a great time. Things are significantly better now. Um, yeah. Sorry to Nathan Boyu, who is apparently going through this twice. <laughs> Poor guy. There was a lot of guys who uh, are on that Ducks team that were a part of the the dark years of Sabres hockey over the past decade. I, I, I'm really sorry that there's now becoming a Sabres to Ducks pipeline. It's uh, it's really like they, they mined the, the early Tim Murray era. Well, the Tim, it was all early Tim Murray era. He was only here for like three and a half years. But like Tim Murray era guys, Kulikov, Boyu. Yeah. Someone Derek else, Grant. Derek Grant. Of course, how could I forget Derek Grant? Of course. Well, I actually want to go back to the middle stat point quickly, if we can, because yeah, not to say that this in any way is some like widespread thing that I've been seeing, but I saw a couple people online bringing it up yesterday, and I it just got me thinking. With middle stat and his improved play here, as we've said, he's been looking better at five on five. He hasn't just been collecting points on the power play here. There's obviously still a lot to round out in his game, but. Assuming he keeps up with his current scoring pace that he's on right now, is he somebody, Taylor, that you think should be a part of the mix for next year? Or do you think that it's a similar mindset maybe to to Olofsson, or maybe even Olofsson to a lesser extent, but it's a similar mindset there where it's like, well, no, is this the best that we're going to get out of this guy? We have this forward depth and these young guys coming up who you're talking about there before with Coolidge, Savoy, what have you, or just generally speaking, making an upgrade in the top nine because of the assets that you have. Is Middlestat a guy, you know, because I saw some people who are snarky, snarkily being like, oh, are we going to trade Middlestat now too, now that he's... Hey, why don't you better? do that when he's in a five-game uh, pointless streak? 
What's that? Why don't, why don't they do that when he's on a five-game pointless streak? Well, why don't right. they do that when he's getting worked off the puck or like he's it's the Minnesota game? Exactly. Everyone's well, smart and in that, hindsight. And that leads into my point where it kind of feels like the answer to that is like, yes, we should. <laughs> I think we should. Like if he does continue playing well here, I think again, it's about maximizing what you can get for a guy. I mean, we know what Middlestead is and he is producing, but if you can move him and then again, like we already have a lot of these forward spots for next year are, are filled. Like we talked about before, there's like firmly seven of the top nine is in place right now. You're going to want to bring somebody in. I think whether it's via trade or free agency, probably, you know, I would hope for a trade more than, than free agency just because of historical context and whatnot. But then again, if it's going after like a big fish, then, you know, I could maybe be talked into it depending on who the guy is very much depending on who the guy is, but you're going to have Coolidge or Savoy probably next year. One of the two. Okay. That puts you at eight forwards pretty firmly there. You got to make a decision on Olofsson and what the future is going to look like there. And then you have Millsad also. You have Jost there who can prove that he could capably play top nine minutes. But again, he's probably in a best case scenario, a really good fourth liner for you. So for me, yeah, I mean, it's going to be something to watch here. But if Middlestad does continue to play well, I'm not thinking about it in terms of this is a guy that's going to be able to help us well beyond this year and into the future. I'm thinking about it from the perspective of let's use this guy as a piece if he's establishing value for himself to add to the blue line and help maybe be uh you know the roster player piece for the top four defenseman trade if that's the route they end up going and they don't end up looking into free agency for a guy like Dumber or Severson so where are you at with that I mean how do and then I guess in terms of you know with Middlestat how do you compare his status on the team and the thought of potentially moving him compared to a guy like Olafson, because really since last summer, these have been the two guys where it's like, well, something's going to have to give. And even though they both now are playing better, it still feels like that's the case to me. Yeah. So it, it comes down to not just not having enough spots. It comes down to you need defensive forwards. I mean, you need some diversity of skill set, obviously, but the, the real need for Sabres is forwards that are you can go and shut down the other team's top line or good kind of muck things up or, you know, park the bus, whatever, whatever way you want to put it. You can't just have a full team of, of guys that are uh, interesting in offense and not good in their own zone. And the, a good candidate to trade in that scenario, especially if you're looking for not just a, a better defensive forward, but like a better defenseman like they <laughs> it's that's kind of the entire defense uh the whole concept of defense for the Sabres from goalies to their four through six defensemen through the forward groups. Like when Oposo and Gergensen's are out on the ice, it's hard to say that you rely on anyone to be a good defensive player, a good defensive defense or defensive forward. I should say that's, I mean, that includes guys like Krebs and Jost who are pretty good. They're not super consistent. Tuck who play who Tuck is good. That that's why he's perfect to play with Thompson and Skinner on the first line. But and Cousins has gotten better at that. But you're pretty thin besides that. Tage and Skinner are not guys that are good in their own zone. So that whatever, the first line's going to score a ton. That's what it right. there for. They're going to have second to worry line, about playing defense because they're going to have the puck in the offensive zone the majority of the time. Right. But then you have the second line where you have Cousins, pretty good in his own zone. Paterka he might be at some point Quinn, not really concerned for him. Then you have like the third line. So you got to keep, you got to like, think like 
eventually you're going to run out of like guys that not, they don't all have the same skill set on offense, but they're not heavy players. You would say quote unquote, and they're not physical and they're just not good at defense. You don't have to be heavy or physical to be good in your own zone, but middle stat Olsen, Olsen, especially like good Lord. <laughs> I think it was the, the second or third goal last. I don't remember what it was, but he turned the puck over and then immediately he honestly even looked like he was trying. It wasn't even a bad effort or anything like tried to get at the puck and uh, failed spectacularly. So you just can't have too many of these guys around. And especially the way Coolidge looks cool. It's just, I don't know, by all indications, he's going to be a good NHL player. Do you really want to have him stuck in Rochester forever? So you can see if Casey Middlestead can finally put things together for more than a few weeks at a time. I think he's the perfect trade candidate more so than Olofsson. Like at this point, Olofsson, it's not the worst idea in the world to bring him back considering he's how he's played with Jost. Uh, if you can get him for, well, you know, he Olofsson's under contract for next year, isn't he? Yes. Oh, okay. So whatever you're bringing him back anyway. So yeah, it's not the worst idea to be like, well, whatever. You can always trade him next year during the season or, or in the off season and just maximize the fact that he's had, he has a full year left on his deal before you're going to have to worry about handing him another contract. Yeah. I meant as an off season strategy. I'm not, well, maybe you trade Casey at the deadline. I don't know. At this depends upcoming one? Yeah, it depends what the trade is, to be honest. I wouldn't hate it. Yeah, it totally depends on the trade. Um, yeah, but anyway, I think you can't just be like, no, I'm totally closed off from trading Casey because he's had a few good games. Like, you you need I, – I think this, this reminds me a little bit of people didn't want to trade a Vander Kane in, like, 2017. And it was, like, very clear they needed a defenseman. And it was, like – it wasn't the peak of his value, I guess, because his value got a little bit better when he was in San Jose. And frankly, he's aged better as a hockey player than I thought he would. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a lot of people being like, he scores all the time. And it's like, yeah, but the Sabres get scored on all the time because they have six bad defensemen. So, like, right. something's got to give here. And, and at I that always- point, it was it was harder to make that, uh, that math work at the time because it's like, it literally was like Kane scores – Eichel scores, O'Reilly kind of scores. At that point, Sam Reinhardt only kind of scored. No one else in the roster had a pulse, and it was like, I get why no one wants to trade this guy. Yeah. Well, and I think this also, this whole conversation with Middlestad and Olofsson speaks to the greater point that we talked about a couple of times really this year, coming into this year especially, and it's going to be the main topic of conversation come this offseason. You cannot run it back with this exact same forward group. Are they growing? Absolutely. Yes. Are guys taking major steps here? Absolutely. Yes. But this isn't a forward group right now that in my eyes is good enough to really make a run here. And I think that again, injecting some of the youth into the lineup when it comes to either like a Coolidge more than likely than not Coolidge, but like, there just there needs to be some change. You need to get some different looks here. You need to try and upgrade. Like I think we can do better than Casey Millsat and Victor Olofsson via trade this offseason or or what have you. I just again, you you can't just keep running back the exact same roster for the sake of this continuity or this growth. Like your your core is in place. Like your guys that are going to be the key pieces of this team are intact and are going to be playing at a high level for, we can say safely, like the next five years, everyone else around them, unless it's like a really key depth piece should be on the table, should be somebody that is up for consideration to be moved because you're entering your window right now. Like next year is really when the window starts to open for this team. And so 
I just, I, I really can't imagine Kevin Adams running it back with this exact same forward group. Now this exact same top nine next year without trying to make an upgrade there as good as continuity is for development. You know what else is really good for development playing young guys with even better players. So if you are able to do that, that's going to help JJ Paterka's development. That's going to help Jack Quinn or, or Peyton Krebs or Dylan Cousins development exponentially. If you're able to bring in a high end guy, a high end forward piece there that is able to help you win now and into the future. Obviously, Timo Meyer has been that guy, but it seems like probably about maybe once a year, maybe once during the offseason, once in the during the regular season, it always feels like one of those guys becomes available. You know, it was PLD. It was honestly looking at it from a league wide perspective, it was Jack Eichel. It was, it's now Timo Meyer. So these guys do become available. And obviously the same goes on the defensive side of things too, where we can't just keep saying, oh, what are we going to want to go after every single good name player that that comes up in trade discussions? It's like, well, you're getting to the point now that like, yes, you have to be. That's kind of what New Jersey's doing right now too. They were in on Johnny Goudreau. They just signed Dougie Hamilton to that big deal from free agency a couple years ago. They're now the leading team for Timo Meyer. This is what teams do when they're entering into their window. You go out and you identify a team that has a star player or a really good player, and you go and make that move. You give up some of those future assets or some of those down-the-roster players who maybe have some promise because you want to go out there and get a proven commodity who you know is better than the the guy whose spot they're replacing and and that goes for the case for even like trading a forward for a defenseman you got to improve you can't just run it back yes these guys are going to continue to get better naturally but you don't know to what degree for like a guy like tage like what we're getting from tage right now and this is obviously not even a knock against him but like this is as good as we're going to get from tage what we're getting from Tuck right now, like this is probably what Alex Tuck peak, peak is right now. Not that they're, that I'm saying that they're necessarily like exiting that, but like though, like the entire top line is like playing at the best that we will probably ever see them play in their careers right now. And it's going to be hard to, to pass that. Cousins, Quinn, Paterka, Krebs, these are all guys that are absolutely getting better here. And so I'd rather surround them with more guys who are like that on the top line where they're kind of firmly in their prime right now to help them advance their careers and help with their development because giving up a few pieces and being able to surround those young guys with better players is ultimately going to serve them much better than they are playing next to Casey Middlestat and Victor Olofsson. And that's not a knock on their play at all. It's just the reality of of how this works. All right, before we get to anything else, let's hear a word from our sponsors. Starting with DraftKings. Hoops fans, it's time to bring the NBA action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 and win $200 on free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt-in, and place the same-game parlay on any NBA game, and if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. So one thing, uh, this is the part where I'm supposed to talk about, uh, uh, but I'm interested in, I'm going to run back something I told you guys a little while ago, uh, which is to bet against the Chicago Bulls when they're leading in the first half. So last night, another great example. They were up 24 after the first quarter. They're up double digits at half. They're up in the low 20s as late as 
Eight minutes left in the third quarter, and did they win? Of course they didn't win. They lost. Was it to a good team they blew the lead? No, of course it wasn't. It was the Indiana Pacers. I'm telling you guys, pay attention when the Bulls play. If they're winning, doesn't matter who they're playing. If they're winning in the first half, even if it's by 15, 20, bet the line for the other team, bet the money line, bet any number of things. Bet on the other team. <laughs> they love blowing leads. So before you do that, you got to download the app now and sign up with code THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network. New Musk customers can bet just $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with promo code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void in Ohio. See show notes for details and responsible gambling resources. Folks, everyone's always talking about making big changes, which is all well and good, but most of the time, it's pretty unrealistic. I've actually found that the smallest changes to your routine can make the biggest impact. In the same way, you don't have to break the bank to make a big deal purchase. Even the smallest of things could be part of a big change if it's something you use every day, like my Raycons. Raycon is premium audio at the perfect price point, so you can build great habits without breaking the bank. So, for example, you can do small good things, good changes in your life, cleaning, putting your clothes away on time after you do your laundry, the dishes, go for a walk. It's kind of nice out in Western New York, weirdly, the last few days. Go to the gym, whatever. And while you're doing that, you can listen to your Raycons. Whether you're looking for a pair of everyday earbuds, low-latency gaming headphones, or a speaker with a battery that'll last all night at your next party, Raycon has got you covered. And yep, Raycon started half the price of other premium audio brands, so you don't even have to choose between products. You can get one of each, a pair and a spare, and still pay less than you would with other some of the other guys. So you have one, keep it with you. You have another one, a spare, keep it in the drawer, just in case you lose it. It's easy to lose these things. And even if you love your Raycons as much as I do, Raycon still wants to make sure you feel great about your purchase. They offer buy now, pay later options, and every purchase has an easy and free return guarantee. And you don't want to return these products in all likelihood because they come with great features such as three customizable sound profiles, earbud tap functions, noise isolation, awareness mode, custom gel tips for the perfect and most comfortable in-ear fit, crystal clear call quality, they're water and sweat resistant, and the everyday earbuds have eight hours of playtime, while the everyday speakers have 11, so you can have the longest party uh, imaginable for big holidays upcoming like President's Day. Anyway, ready to buy something small with a big impact? Go to buyraycon.com slash THPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. You getting wild on President's Day? Probably the Sunday before President's Day. Nice. That's normally when I get down. So in addition, we also have a third sponsor, Thin Man Brewery. You know there's two convenient locations on Elmwood Avenue and Chandler Street in Buffalo. You probably know if you've been listening to us that actually the Elmwood one is under renovations right now. It is not open for another roughly two weeks. Pretty wild to see all of the progress pictures, though, that they've been showing of like the teardown and everything. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to look different. I'm pretty hyped about it. We, we had talked about Yvonne had said to us, uh, kind of gave us a little bit of like an outline of what it was going to look like. And man, it's going to be different, but I'm pretty stoked for it. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, if you're looking for updates on what the first floor is going to look like, it, it they're posting a lot of stuff on Instagram, so you can see the progress that they're making. Um, but before then, Chandler Street's still open, and you can still always find Thin Man at all your local grocery stores and other places that sell beer. 
consumers, gas stations, convenience stores, that guy behind the place, all the good places you normally get your beer. Your buyer, if you're in high school, you're listening to this, he'll have it. Anyway, (laughs) this week, in fact, tomorrow, Friday, they have a new double IPA dropping. It's called Practice Cactus. It's a double IPA, and it's a hazy boy. Very interesting. 8.1% ABV. That's interesting. It's got real cool can art, too. You uh, you want to pick one of these up or check out what they, they have on Instagram. Little cactus guys, they look really friendly. So check that out. I bet it's more pleasant than drinking out of a cactus, if I had to imagine. Yeah, I would think. I mean, do, are they like similar to like squeezing an orange to make orange juice are they using like cactus water to to make the beer do we know seems cost uh prohibitive to be honest who knows maybe that's what they have back there for when they brew it's a part of the brewing process they just have a a bunch of cacti and somebody with really strong gloves and they just squeeze it as hard as they can to get the cactus juice out being a being a brewer, it's a dirty job. You got to get your hands dirty. So, sure do, <laughs> man. Anyway, that's uh, Thin Man Brewery. Two convenient locations in Western New York. Check them out. And like I said, obviously for the next couple of weeks, just this is the Chandler location. So if you're looking for some practice cactus, you're wondering what that beer is all about. Check it out. Do it up. Do you have any last thoughts you'd like to share with regard to our beloved Buffalo Sabers? Yeah. You got to get two points on Saturday. So beat the Sharks. That literally has to happen. Sorry, Mike Greer. Also, one more thought on Anaheim. Very funny that Pat Verbeek's roster strategy this season was let's name some guys. We love that. We love that. Well, we will be back with a brand new episode on Monday. We're going to be detailing the Sharks game along with any other news that may come out. A lot of stuff's been heating up as far as the trade deadline goes around the league. So make sure you're tuning into us as we'll be giving you all the coverage of that. With that being said, everybody, thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Straight Up Sabres. Make sure you're checking out both presenters of this podcast on their respective websites, whatever streaming platform you're on. Check out all of our fellow shows and follow them on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where you can find us, Straight Up Sabres. Then you head over back to your streaming platform of choice. Send us a nice little review or a rating. Give us a follow. Subscribe to us, whatever it may be. Straight Up Sabres. Last but not least, make sure you're checking out all of our sponsors for Straight Up Sabres. That would be DraftKings. Use that promo code THPN at checkout to take advantage of great deals. Raycon, ultimate audio devices, whether it is headphones, speakers, whatever you may be interested in picking up, check out Raycon. It's the place to be. It's the place to buy. You will not regret it. And Thin Man Brewery. Very excited for that big grand reopening coming up on March 3rd. But in the meantime, make sure you're getting over to Chandler Street as well and heading to any of your preferred grocery stores to pick up some of your favorite Thin Man beer. Once again, we'll be back with a brand new episode on Monday, everybody. Have a great weekend. This has been Straight Up Savers. Thin Man.